0: Hello again, listeners. Tis me again, Raya. Welcome to Smart But Dumb, a podcast where I bring my friends who are smarter than me to tell me something I don't know. Welcome back to part two of Restaurant Week with Kareem, hospitality professional based between D.C. and New York, who in this episode tells me all about how if a welcoming industry such as the restaurant industry... Hires formerly incarcerated employees on a large scale can immensely help fight towards a better justice and criminal system in the United States. I hope you learn as much as I did from Kadim on today's episode. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. We're back for part two of Restaurant Week with Karim, who's going to tackle another very interesting uh, contextually, politically and socially important facet of the restaurant business right now. I wanted to talk to you, about how the industry can actually provide solutions for reforming an incredibly damaged criminal system in the U.S., which, as we know, is part of a bigger conversation that is, you know, in the spotlight a lot more than it usually is these days and I just want you to kind of shed a light on how hiring formerly incarcerated employees can help a restaurant's bottom line which is you know your has been your argument all along so before I kind of get into my questions that I had for you uh, would you mind just telling the listeners about why this is something you're very passionate about and kind of your background in that
1: sure sure uh, thanks again, Rhea. I, so I think before we get started, I'll, I'll kind of define a few points or define a few terms that I'll be using throughout the conversation. Yes, that's very um, helpful. And again, for context, we're going to be talking uh, about like, the mutual impacts that can take place if restaurateurs embrace an underemployed population known as returning citizens. These returning citizens are basically formerly incarcerated individuals who have been in prison or jail. Um, there is a positive impact on the restaurant. There is a po- positive impact on these individuals, their families, and their communities. Um, and we haven't been talking about this topic. No one's been talking about this topic. And COVID-19 is exert- exacerbating the the issue, the underlying issues uh, with regards to returning citizens. So with that said, returning citizens, again, are formerly incarcerated individuals who have been either in prison or jail and are coming back into their community. This is a politically correct term to suggest that there is a return here. Um, and there is a there is a life cycle associated with that. Um, in addition, we'll, we'll touch on recidivism. Recidivism is basically a term used to describe um, the rate at which someone goes back to jail after being re- uh, or prison after being released. Um, okay. And then finally, we'll talk about desistance. Desistance is the process of staying out of prison or jail. um, Desisting from recidivism, basically. So I guess my interest on the topic of returning citizen reentry stems from my experience at uh, Bard College first, where um, they have the Bar Prison Initiative, which is arguably one of the, uh, the most effective um, in-prison education systems that I've ever seen. Um, my hat goes off to, to all the work BPI does. I think it's, it's amazing, and I think um, it's really making a difference where it should be. Uh, to, for context, BPI provides bachelor's degrees in a variety of different studies to individuals currently in prisons and jails in New York. In the New York oh, okay, cool. area, so that's that program addresses reentry challenges in a very significant manner by making sure that these people have an education um, in prison so that they can utilize that once once they go out and they have something on their resume. Um, so it all kind of started there, where I realized, you know, providing an education in a prison facility or a jail facility makes a huge impact on their reentry prospects. After that, I spent a little bit of time at a cool food incubator in DC, where I realized the majority of their their kitchen employees were hired from a, from a, an organization called Project Empowerment, which basically provides you with an employee who's been re- who's gone through some sort of trauma, whether it be substance abuse, uh, mental health, or uh, prison or jail. Um, they provide you this employee at no cost, where well, they cover the, the the salary for six months, hoping that you will hire these employees and keep them on payroll. Um, so that's when I kind of realized the significance of unemployment within the returning citizen population in DC specifically. Okay. In then during my master's program, I did my thesis on the mutual impacts of uh, of returning citizen employment in the food industry, the food and beverage industry in, in DC specifically. That's where. I did all my research on the criminal justice system in DC specifically and became very much haunted by the reality—the ra- realities on the ground. Um, we have a very broken criminal justice system globally, nationally. Um, DC is not a state, so unfortunately we don't have a lot of data on what's going on within our criminal justice system here. But the bottom line is, and I think this, th- these little factoids will kind of set the, set the tone here, About 8,000 people come out of prison and jail every single year and come back to the communities in D.C. Um, About 4,000 of them go back to jail or prison within three years. That's a problem, right? There's no two ways about it, that's a problem. And it would be naive to think that that problem is on those who the returning citizens, because the bottom line is these people come back to a world where they're given no opportunities, right? Yeah, there are too many uh,
0: barriers.
1: Exactly, exactly. Finding employment is nearly impossible. Finding housing is nearly impossible. Substance abuse treatment, nearly impossible. Voting rights out the window. These people are marginalized beyond degree. And so currently we have a recidivism rate of about 50%, where 50% of people who come out of prison or jail will go back within three years. That's one of the highest in the U.S. But again, D.C. is not a state, so you won't hear about this. It's estimated currently that between 14 million and 15 million people, working-age people, have a felony conviction on their record. And we don't need to go into detail with that, but you can imagine how that affects their employment prospects.
0: Right, Um, absolutely.
1: Whatever data is out there on desistance suggests that the biggest factor um, for keeping people out of prison or jail is employment. Right, finding meaningful employment and being able to make a salary to then be able to afford the, you know, the the things like substance abuse treatment, housing, Medicare, anything, a suit, um, anything. Um, So we know for a fact that by employing these people, we can can guarantee a reduced recidivism rate in DC. But the problem is they're not employed. Um, According to the Council for Court Excellence, which is an awesome organization doing great work um, in DC to highlight these issues. About 50% of returning citizens are unemployed, right?
0: Yeah, so of that's those crazy. 8,000 yeah.
1: people that come out of jail, 50% are unemployed and also the 50% of the 8,000 go back to prison and jail within, within four years. Um, so we've got a huge problem here and COVID-19 is not making things any easier given the fact that we now have way more people unemployed, and right, those yeah. who are formally incarcerated are not going to be top of the list to be reemployed. That's a huge yeah. Problem. I see what
0: you mean. Like they're not going to be favored in the employment process at, at already all. in a process where they were already at a huge disadvantage.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And 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 now with what's going on with regards to the Black Lives uh Black Lives Matter movement, we're seeing kids and people being arrested daily. Not considering the fact that their records will lead to inevitable collateral consequences in their reentry, right? So this Absolutely. is a self-fulfilling cycle that seems to have no end. Um, and meanwhile, the number of unemployed people in D.C. and nationally is growing within this population specifically. Um, Absolutely, because it
0: goes. It also, I, it's something that I that we have to mention. But it also goes without saying that people who do go to jail in the US are largely people of color and people from low income communities so yes. by definition these two groups whether you you know put them in a Venn diagram or not are baseline at a disadvantage due to the systemi- systematic racism that is that has been in place you know in 100%. in US history so i just 100%. kind of wanted to put that out there but and i and i think you touched upon a really interesting point as to how covid-19 specifically has made this problem that is already very very bad worse so maybe now you could with that what role does the restaurant industry knowing that it's a re- that's huge industry right what can what role can they play what are some of the obstacles that have prevented maybe this industry in the past from taking this social mission on on a big scale
1: right, right. Um, I think the restaurant industry, I I, I don't think, I know the restaurant industry for as long as it's existed has always been one of the most welcoming, if not the most welcoming industry to returning citizens. They call it, they
0: call it hospitality for a reason, I hope.
1: Right, right. But it's important to remember that this is done relatively unconsciously, right? Um, so it goes without saying that restaurateurs currently likely have a, a returning citizen in the, their kitchens. Um, and so that's important to highlight because you know we're not talking about reinventing the wheel here. We're not talking about a new system or a new initiative. We're talking about being more mindful of what already exists, right? We are a very welcoming industry um, and returning citizens have found employment In the the food and beverage industry, Um, so I think that obviously that's important to contextualize. The biggest um, barriers to uh, to returning citizens gaining more employment in the food and beverage industry is employer reluctance to hire. Uh, This basically, in in the most like simple terms, is when an operator simply doesn't want to hire somebody who's been to prison or jail because they are scared. Um, now, this fear could be rooted in racism, this fear could be rooted in genuine fear over the, you know, the, the safety of their, their, their facility and of their employees. Unfortunately, however, all of this is, is make-believe. There's no data, there's absolutely zero data suggesting that returning citizens are less able to do the work of non-returning citizens. There's no data highlighting whether or not they are able to complete their tasks, whether or not they are able to, you know, be competent workers or anything. There's zero
0: data. So Which is really biggest, important to emphasize, you're right. Right,
1: right. So the biggest barrier to returning citizens gaining meaningful employment in the food and beverage industry at a higher rate is based on fear that is driven by racism and genuine fear as opposed to any data whatsoever, right? So what I've been trying to do on my off time is convince restaurant operators that I know and those who I may not know to embrace a new hiring practice. Um, we're not asking them to, to begin discriminating and only hiring formerly incarcerated individuals, but we're, we're hoping that they recognize the very real problems that exist in DC and across, across the US and make a conscious effort to work with organizations in their local community to hire people who currently have no prospects for second chances, right? In doing so, they can not only qualify for potential grants, they can not only qualify for, uh, you know, potential uh, assistance programs from the state, but they can also make a genuine, genuine, tangible impact on these individuals, their recidivist, their resistance prospects, um, their families, in their communities, because it's important to remember the majority of, it, uh, of those incarcerated in D.C. are coming from wards five, seven, eight. Now, to those who don't know D.C., these are primarily black neighborhoods. Um, these are also neighborhoods with historically low property values, right? Um, and high incarceration rates. All of this creates a perfect, perfect entry ground for the likes of Whole Foods, the likes of Trader Joe's, the likes of Lululemon, anybody. Basically, gentrification.
0: Gentrification, yeah, okay, yeah.
1: These these neighborhoods are ripe for gentrification. And and by continuously incarcerating the people who can put money back into their communities and keeping them unemployed, we're doing these neighborhoods no favors and making it so easy for gentrification to take place. And it's for, for that reason gentrification in DC is happening at probably the highest rate in the West right now. But again, topic that's not being talked about. Yeah. Right? Because and even, and,
0: and I think yeah, that, ahead. you know, not to interrupt you, but also what I think is, is something that's really important here and what I'm, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that gentrification is one thing, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a trend, it happens, and, and that's, that's one thing. But there's the gentrification process by leaving out the people in those communities that, that's when it becomes really problematic.
1: Right, right. These individuals who've been booked on minimal charges, most of them, as we know, many of them on zero charges whatsoever, right? Pre-trial detention or um, home arrest or supervised uh, detention, right, For none. And we're, 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 we're basically disabling them from being able to invest in their own communities and make sure that these communities survive. Instead, we're making it very easy for these communities to stay uh, undeveloped, for property values to remain low. And for that reason, we're seeing an entire coastal takeover of new businesses. To many people, that's great, because they can now travel to to neighborhoods that they they wouldn't have thought of traveling to before. But again, we're ignoring the very real issue here, which is that we are consciously making it impossible for neighborhoods to develop, and we're keeping these people underemployed.
0: Right, and I think um, what's, what's really interesting in the, in the argument that you make to uh, restaurateurs or, or what have you is, you're not just making a social argument, you are making a very clear financial argument, i.e. A fi- you are identifying a financial opportunity for these restaurants, and a social right. opportunity for these restaurants, you know, which I think is is huge because you're not you're not just asking for a favor,
1: right? And I think exactly the the social opportunity, the moral the moral cause here, you know, speaks for itself. Unfortunately, and it kills me to say this. I mean, it killed me to do this. I'm talking to people who think in terms of numbers, right? We are a slim of the Yeah, industry. Period. So when you're appealing to restaurant owners to embrace a new hiring practice and take a risk, right? In their mind, they're taking a risk. In my mind, there's no risk because there's no data to, to, to validate that risk assumption. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, so because I'm talking to this specific audience, I have to make a financial argument here. I have to appeal to them in manners that make sense to them outside of the moral argument, which again, should speak for itself.
0: For itself, yeah. Um, so it's for that reason that I'm
1: like, kind of done the research and gone through the trouble, really, of trying to appeal to restaurant owners in a language that may, makes sense to them.
0: Yeah, for, to show uh, that there's no excuse to, to, to not take this on. Right. And,
1: and that the risks are relatively mitigated because there's organizations in D.C. that understand just how bad the situation is and are willing to literally pay for these people to come work for you. Yeah. The situation is that bad where organizations are willing to pay and cover six months worth of salary for this employee. So that you consider, not even do it, consider hiring them.
0: Yeah, um, which for a slim margin business is, is huge.
1: Right, I mean, and there's grants available, there are tax deductible uh, you know, programs available. There are opportunities here for restaurants to make a real tangible impact while also potentially saving money or not spending more money. Um, so really the argument, on both sides, it's covered. There's absolutely no excuses for that reason I spent my off time kind of developing this thesis, but also pushing um, any restaurateurs that I know um, and others in the space to kind of embrace this, 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 uh, this hiring practice, this recruitment practice. Of course, now with COVID, you can bet that, that uh, this fight is now more important than ever, but unfortunately, probably at the bottom of the food chain Um, in the minds of uh, restaurant owners across the nation.
0: I hope that, just going off of what you were saying, I I do hope, though, that with this uh, focus and social discourse and highlighting of Black Lives Matter right now, hopefully that'll then, in terms of the solutions phase, because as we know, systematic racism is seen and is present in so many factors of society and so many factors of of work and how communities you know work or exist together so hopefully this will be a focus that the restaurant industry will will almost be forced to take a look at if they want to survive kind of culturally speaking which brings me to uh, my next question that i had for you was how what are the tangible ways that a restaurant can get involved or the industry as a whole like we talked about this how the industry has a notoriously high turnover rate as it is so what are the mutual impacts that are associated with taking this on both for the employee and for the employer
1: right Um, so it goes without saying if that employee the returning citizen employee has employment and it's it's consistent you are immediately cutting the chances of recidivism, cutting the chances of them going back to prison or jail by 50%, at least, at least. I mean, uh, there, there's a plethora of literature that talks about how employment is the number one number one factor that contributes to desistence. So without needing to go into too much detail, employing someone who has been to prison or jail um, will significantly reduce the likelihood of them going back to prison or right. jail. Now, of course, there's a lot of initiatives and policies out there in the US that, ref- that refrain or stop uh, operators from being able to, or recruiters from being able to ask questions like, have you been to prison or jail? Have you committed a felony? Um, you cannot ask these questions in a lot of cities, and I think that's great.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: But, but we can't stop there. City officials have been naive to think that recruiters are not savvy enough to read a resume and identify 2-3 years missing of employment and make an assumption there obviously based on racism
0: i was going to say and just based on race cases, they'll they'll make yeah, that in assumption. many cases they'll
1: look at they'll look at the name and they'll discard the resume in many cases they'll look at the name and the lack of employment for a few years and make the assumption so you know banning the box as, as it's called here in BC, or banning the questions from recruiters does not solve the problem. Sure, it's allowed more returning citizens to find employment where they previously wouldn't have been able to um, because of discrimination. But again, we cannot be naive to think that just by not asking the question, we're all uh, restaurant operators are all of a sudden going to hire way more returning citizens. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, we, we need restaurant operators to recognize the problem first, embrace the fact that they are relatively alone in this fight. City officials are funding the police and they're funding social uplift programs, but they're not providing uh, meaningful employment. And let's not even go on to the topic of the, the rate of funding for police and social uplift programs. Oh, God, that's yeah. That's an entirely different conversation, right? Hopefully we'll see. Um, some targeted social upload trends that really focus on this population because, again, they are, they are under the radar. Um, so providing meaningful employment, consistent employment, in and of itself makes a huge difference uh, for the re-entry prospects. It allows them to afford the things that they need in order to stay out of prison and jail.
0: Absolutely. Um, for
1: the employer, this is an employee. Bottom line, it's an employee. And turnover rate is at 70%. which is already absurd which is already absurd right so getting someone into the door it should be top of mind for any employer right um but my kind of my final point uh with regards to what employers should be conscious of is again we have no literature on these people we have no information and i I don't think we need it right i don't think we, we necessarily need to have information on this population, because that would suggest that they're different from, from Absolutely. our employees, right? They're no different from any of any our employees. Every single person listening to this podcast right now has been served by a returning citizen at some point in their lives in a restaurant, whether that be a server, a bartender, even an owner. So let's get real here. These people are out there and they need jobs. Yeah, and they're just like us. Because, like, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, because we have no data, things like employer reluctance to hire exist
0: and you can also assume in unfortunately a lot of the cases that their conviction is is either misplaced or do you know what i right. mean like from the get go the the accusation or the conviction is is false right or 100%. or has been falsified right so
1: right so in their minds they're in the right
0: yeah so they use the lack to- of data to their advantage
1: they, exactly, right? And there's no counter to them. There's no factual counter to them. Um, so what we need is for restaurateurs to actively track their, their employees. If I hire somebody, work with, work with a program in DC and hire somebody for a citizen, I'm asking restaurateurs to track how often they've been in on time, how often they're promoted, what their performance evaluation looks like. I'm asking them to amass a good amount of data so that we can create some kind of literature to show these people are like everybody else. In fact, they are probably better than everybody else because they are more hungry for these opportunities and they are more committed and more loyal to your Yeah, you
0: exactly you're you're fostering you're, you're fostering employee loyalty here. Right,
1: right. I mean there's so to, to go back on my lack of data, I've seen one, one report. Uh, it had to do with the U.S. military. This is the most extensive literature that I've seen on the topic of returning citizen employment performance. And it suggested that people who have been to prison and jail get promoted in the military at a higher rate than those who did not right? I'm not gonna jump on that article too much because again, there's only one. But it's right. an extensive report. And it looks at you know, a, very, a serious industry like the military. Uh, an industry where you would think it's very hard to get promoted. It's very hard to kind of uh, prove yourself and go. Figure this report saying people who've been to prison or jail are actually promoted at a higher rate and do better. It's a this
0: yeah the social climate in the U.S. right now also hopefully just sheds a light for those that were completely and chose to be completely in the dark about about this whole thing. Uh, hopefully, right. will 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 also this also just teaches restaurants to not treat employees differently when even you know your 1980 like your tracking comment that should be done with all employees you know formally incarcerated or not so what you're suggesting is not is you know totally out of bounds
1: i think the only out of bounds aspect of it is that we're 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 kind of zeroing in on a specific individual or group of individuals right Um, and i and i can imagine how that might make some people feel ostracized but again this is all in the name of something important this is in the name of a good cause and it's creating literature on an undiscussed very real issue
0: um, absolutely and it's know, austra- and never, it, it might be ostracizing in the beginning but it's on the contrary it's it's in order for there to not be a segregation between Formally incarcerated people and not formally incarcerated people actually
1: Right, because we want to introduce facts into this conversation because a lot of us already know in our hearts What the what the what the truth is and the truth is these people are no different than anybody else Especially when you work backwards and as you kind of touched on it before if you work backwards and you look at a criminal justice system You would be sickened by it right?
0: Absolutely, so, exactly. And, and any normal
1: sane individual would be sickened by it the criminal justice system we have here in DC and nationally and probably across the world. And so if we know that, then let's talk about the collateral—the people who are coming out of that systems and collateral consequences they face now as a result Absolutely. of being booked in a, in a, in a, in a corrupt system. Um, but again, you know, with COVID-19, realistically what's happening right now is a lot of people are pivoting to hire undocumented workers. Again, a very undiscussed uh, labor group. Yeah, so,
0: absolutely. You know, are, are not
1: represented in, in, in the political sphere. And so they can't protest. They can't go out on the street. They can't make themselves visible. Um, and, you know, they can't be on the books, a lot of them. So they have to get paid by cash. So a lot of restaurants are definitely pivoting in that direction and looking for any kind of help that they can.
0: The issue That's is in,
1: yeah. returning citizens are not going to place themselves in front of you in the same way that undocumented workers might. Um, they might be a little bit less seen. Um,
0: Absolutely. That's an interesting point. Yeah.
1: It's important to partner with organizations in the city who are actively working with these individuals to polish their resumes, to provide them a stipend to be able to travel to
0: interviews and to help them kind of, you know, learn some of the skills they need. My
1: hat goes off to uh, the likes of DC Central Kitchen here in DC specifically. Um, They do amazing work. And I think it's such a shame that we have to look to nonprofits like DC Central Kitchen um, to see that kind of work being done. Whereas literally all it takes is a kitchen, a good coach, and a conscious hiring practice to really make a tangible impact on our communities here that are being gentrified at a rate that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, that's well, you've, you know, you nobody could have said it better. Thank you so much. Before I let you go then, do you think you could leave me with maybe some helpful resources where people can check out all the things you've mentioned online? And then lastly, just please pick a song that you think that everybody should know about right now. It's a little tradition that I've started with all of the guests on this podcast.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Wow. I I can't tell you my favorite anything, but I'll... Let me think about that. The takeaway um, in terms of resources, definitely start with the basics, right? Start looking at your own local criminal justice system and how it works. Look at how many people are in jail and in prison, why they are there. Then take a look at recidivism in your local community. Look up recidivism. Um, Check out your percentages. How many people are going back to prison or jail? Uh, We've already talked about how employment is the number one factor keeping these people out of prison or jail. Find out what your unemployment rate Among that labor pool is. Um, And then do the research, um, you know, very much locally focused on which organizations are helping who. If you're in the DC area, you know, DC Central Kitchen is huge. You've got Project Empowerment, that's part of the mayor's office. You know, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Mayor Bowser, but she has done good work in kind of creating a platform where returning citizens can uh, be represented in government. So there's actually a department for returning citizen affairs now that's brand new um, in the DC uh, government that kind of focuses on these things. Um, You know, research research, uh, groups like the Urban Institute do great work as well. Um, If you're in DC Council for Court Excellence Um, and then take a look at all these restaurants that have kind of shown how this could work. Uh, You know, you've got the likes of Edwin in Chicago You've got the likes of, sorry, in Cleveland. You've got the likes of Kala in San Francisco. These are businesses that are very public about their hiring practices. Because obviously a lot of restaurant employees may be doing this, but they're not being public about
0: it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: ...customer business or anything like that. These organizations are very public about it, and they're trying to make a statement that you, you can come and enjoy your meal here and have a grand, you know, restaurant experience, while being served by returning citizens, and you're going to walk out having enjoyed your meal, and it's going to be very normal, and that's the point. Um, so these organizations are definitely um, doing great work, but again, I think the basics is just get to know your criminal justice system, get to know how many people are getting, um, you know, pushed out of prison or jail every single year, and where are they going? Like, where are they going? That's that's really one of the one of the most important. Uh, pieces of research that you could do
0: totally and just so, um, and, and and before I'm gonna interrupt you, but um, I ahead. just also want people to to realize like what you're saying is not a very niche thing as much as they think it is. Like people even need to realize like the 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 way that I was introduced to open door, you know hiring was through a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Like I know that <laughs> they, work, they work with Grayston Bakery and they only hire people with a lot of, you know, social uh, barriers to employment. And most of them are formerly incarcerated people. So this was just to put into context that people don't need to look very far to find information about this in terms of- Right. Of, of, its, of its social importance. Is what I meant.
1: Right, right. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. You got that right. Um, I guess in terms of song, uh, yes. I guess I'll just tell you what I was listening to before we got on the call. Uh, "Wishing Well" by Terence Trent D'Arby.
0: Oh, great! I've never heard that song, so I'm learning something new. Ooh, so great. Great. I will include your resources and your song, and everything you've you've mentioned for people to do more reading on. In the episode description, uh, Karim, thank you so much for taking the time and for uh, breaking it down and for, you know, shedding a light on an industry that we all think about a lot, but don't realize, you know, how problematic it, it can be. And, 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 you know, on the flip side of that, how influential it can be. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Rayo. Thank you for uh, giving topics like these a platform. Appreciate it.
0: Have a good night and I'll talk to you later.
1: Thanks. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye.